what is going on ladies and gentlemen this is the voices of the black and gold i'm nick celso and eric here and uh yeah man listen we have had a fun week right here at the voices of the black and gold we, we've had a lot of stuff going on around us but not only that lafc went to nashville and walked away with three points uh, we're going to get into a lot of that, but we're going to have a guest join us here in a few minutes. Celso, Eric, what's up, man? How, how did y'all like that game? Uh... Man, I, I want to talk a lot about this game. I think that we should spend a lot of time talking about it because it was really, to me, a marquee play and of this team that, that told us a lot of the things that we wanted to see for a long time. So I'm excited to discuss it. I know we have a great guest coming, and we're going to talk a lot more about not only LAFC, but MLS and such. But yeah, this is a game that we need to break down and we need to understand, you know, how, you know, we're going to basically win some titles with this team, right? Because this is all it's about. That's right. Eric, what's up, buddy? Yeah, I thought the game was just what the doctor ordered. We went on a long road trip. We were wondering where our new additions would fall into it. Would we see them play? Wouldn't we see them play? I think, for speaking for me, I saw much more of them play than I thought we were going to see. We handed a very tasty loss to Nashville, which, you know, is a team that's known for defending. Didn't know how we were going to crack that nut, but we cracked it open. So, I mean, it was a fantastic win. I don't, you know, stop a little short of a statement win, but it was a game that, you know, we we could have seen them getting out of there with a draw or even a loss. But, you know, the, the boys came through and, and gave us three points and off we go. Game in hand, first place. Great time to be an LAFC fan. No, it really is, man. It really is. It was awesome to see the lineup, though, right? Like, when, when the lineup came out, I was like, oh, my God, dude, Khalidi yeah. was in there. You yeah, no. Yeah, Gareth over on the bench. You know, it was it was amazing to see these guys. Now they are into the – they're into the lineup. You know, they're into the group. And um, I, I was I was really, really happy with what I was watching. Celso, like, when you seen the lineup, you knew, you knew Kalini was out there. You knew Gareth was on the bench. We knew he was going to come in. Of course, we're going to get more into this later on after the guest, but let's just talk a little bit about just seeing Kalini in the lineup. Yeah, it was just everything was coming together, right? We've been talking about it for so long since the, the news breakout. So, I mean, to see him playing and, and, and having a, a solid game was, you know, really reassuring that we're on the right path. And, uh, you know, the fact that we saw Gareth Bale, I actually felt that he was not going to play and was just basically going to travel the team. Um, you know, it was also a treat. And, uh, you know, it just gave us a little bit of a sense of what we can expect of this team going forward. So, yeah, it's the very beginning of a very long road for LAFC fans. And I hope that, you know, the, the, the end of this road, uh, like I said, it's going gonna, it's gonna to mean championships. Uh, you're going to hear a lot about me talk about championships because after this game, I, I am a believer now that this is, this, you know, who can stop us other than, you know, injuries? I've, I'm, Ooh, I've taught that yeah. before too. Eric. I mean, this team looks like a champion. It, it almost looked like a champion before, but just that that little touch of the ball from Bale right when he came in was just, come on. And then That's Chiellini, right. Chiellini coming into this game, I wasn't expecting him to go 60 minutes. I wasn't expecting him to start. I thought he would ease in more like this, but the way that he sees the game, he sees the field – the way he moves the ball around, you know, it's just, it's amazing to see. And uh, it, right. I, I I can't wait to, to see what see. the rest of the season is going to be in store. In Major well, League listen, Soccer, right? That's, that's the right. bigger thing here. Yeah. In Major and League Soccer, here we, we are. We have a guest here that I'm excited to announce, man. Listen, we know him from MLS, right? Like, men's national team, 94 standout player. You see him on Fox Sports. He has a great 
uh, spaces that we like to join. Let's go on. Lonely Hearts. Lonely Hearts. How you doing, our, our man? Spaces, you buddy. Gentlemen. So Gentlemen. How are we doing? Can you wow. hear me? Can you see me? Can you hear me? Are we all set yes, with the yes. technology and all that? Let me make sure you can get my... We, can, we, we can did, yeah. We can hear you. Oh man, Jesus, Eric! Why don't you just marry Kalini? Holy cow! I was listening to you in the uh, backstage there. Oof, man! Oh man! Someone's got a man crush going on. Oh, hey, I have a man crush on this whole team. You know, I I wear my black and gold proudly on my chest, and uh, you know this. If you cut these uh, these fingers, they bleed black and gold. You wouldn't believe it. <laughs> well, I mean, you guys should be excited, man. Oh man, it's uh, it's going it's going great. Well, anyway, pleasure to be here with uh, with you guys. Thank you so much for having me on. You've had a Hell of a couple of weeks here, huh? You made some news and all that. No, that's a good thing. Yes, sir. We have, you know, and we appreciate you coming on here and uh, taking taking the time. Uh, you know, listen, that is why we have you on here, because you know more about MLS than most of us will. And with the growth of the league and the players that are coming here, we just sort of wanted to get maybe more of an insider's point. Do you see this league moving up and how you view what's happening in, in the MLS? Yeah, I mean, so I am a, a, a uh, old guy uh, when it comes to Major League Soccer. I have seen a lot on and off the field over the years. I can look back to the previous century when I was running around, and I can see the incredible growth and evolution of this uh, of this league and what it has become. And you know, we we kind of put signposts along the way, and you could you know talk about you know the uh, the designated player David Beckham type of moment or. The advent, not the advent, but you know the, the the recognition that the box is important and the soccer-specific stadiums coming online, uh, the the massive expansion, but also you know in the early aughts, uh, this league almost went away and there was uh, you know some some real problems and there are a lot of people that stood up and people that spent money. I think back and uh, speaking of of Beckham, I I, I was talking to uh, Kobe Jones last night. We were working a game. And at one point we started chuckling to ourselves and we said, you know, had we thought about doing it, uh, we both should have figured out a way to get one of those those clauses in our contracts. when we came back in 1996 to help start the league for a specific number attached to an expansion team, because that was uh, that was chef's kiss in terms of his representation to be able to do that, looking at what the uh, what you know what the expansion fees are right now. So a lot of wonderful stuff on and off the field. It warms the cockles of my redheaded American heart to see how far we have come. Still plenty of uh, things to work on and still plenty of uh, of, uh, of progress to make. But if you look at where we are right now, it is undoubtedly the most successful American professional league in history, men's, women's, uh, in, in North America for that, for that matter. And it has its detractors. Uh, it has its good and bad points. Uh, but ultimately, I think you can't deny the success of a league that you know, is heading towards 30 years right now, especially given you know, the past and history that is littered with folded teams and folded leagues and just a kind of wasteland tundra wild west when it comes to professional soccer. Talk about folded teams. Like yeah, from yeah, LA, I, we know I, I very well. Perspective, you know, le- looking into and, and being excited about having you on the show, you know, we're reading about the, you know, you were involved with the inaugural season in MLS and everything that's moved forward to where it is now, you know, and back then, speaking for myself I, I didn't pay a huge amount of attention to it but now you see where the league is going now we there was uh some criticism the other day just just on twitter they were talking about austin what austin's built and somebody said yeah they hired the same designers as lafc their supporters groups are copying lafc to which i said you know what made me fall in love was the supporter culture at lafc every expansion team should copy what lafc has done because what they've created is such a great fan experience 
and is so exciting. And, uh, you know, how do, after seeing all the 20, 26 years now, what you've seen, like, is that how you kind of see the future? Is it, is it really creating more of the fan experience as the way to kind of build the game? Yeah, I mean, I think that is what sells a lot of people on it, to be quite honest with you. And it's much more, as you guys know, than simply the two hours that you spend in the stadium. And it becomes part of your identity. And, you know, I go back to, like I said, the 70s and 80s and the Wild West that it was. And we have a, we have actually a pretty robust and long history. A lot of it, unfortunately, you know, has scattered to the winds. Um, but, you know, you go back and, you know, the advent of... Um, fanzines and then into blogs and obviously with the explosion of the internet and the opportunity to have platforms and the opportunity to connect and then you know the actual explosion of supporters cultures and you know listen uh, if people are taking from others that's good steal from whatever you consider the best but I think you would agree that every supporters group and or city and market and even within that market I think looks at themselves in in different ways. And so, you know, you guys are different than what's up in Seattle. I mean, obviously you guys are different than even what's down the road uh for your uh for your neighbors down there in, in in Carson. And that's that's a good thing. It is it is tribal. And you know, that's something that I love. Now, with within all the individual tribes, there is a collective understanding and I and I do think that it is a shared understanding and responsibility that you know, you're building something and getting as many people into the tent is, is, is so important. And so, you know, whether it's any of you guys, you never have to apologize for when you arrived in, in soccer. Okay. As, at least to me. And the worst thing that we can possibly do is put up any types of barriers to entry. We want to welcome everybody in, whether it's a, a, a you know, a Wednesday night game for, in MLS or whether it's the U.S. versus England in the World Cup in November and December. We don't ever want to do anything. And, and I get it. Sometimes we have to we have to let go this thing that we love so much and share it with others. And that's that's not always easy. I, I always I always put it in the form of music. Right. So if you follow a band and you you went and saw that band and you were one of three people in this crappy bar and you watched them and then they grew and they grew and they built an audience and then they break big and next thing you know they're playing sold out stadiums and they are they are now given to the world there's a part of you that i don't want to say resents it but it's hard it's hard to give up that ownership or to share that ownership with others and i think soccer actually does a pretty good job but we got to make sure going forward that whether it's individually in a, a place like Los Angeles or any other market out there that we are as welcoming and, and as inviting and, and as inviting as possible. Yeah, no, that, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one thing Celso has mentioned to me before, cause he, he played soccer growing up. Celso, you know, before I handed him is from Brazil, grew up in Brazil and moved to the United States as a teenager in high school, maybe a little bit before that, but would always talk about soccer was kind of a counterculture of the athletes, you know, and for myself, I was like most American kids. I played soccer until eight or nine, then went in, into baseball and hockey, you know, mm -hmm. so uh, yeah, then Alexi is a hockey guy too. Oh, you yeah. know that, right? Oh, yeah. A lot of the theater kids and the art kids, they don't get along with the sports guys, but soccer players were kind of always the, the rebels of the jocks in a way, and they didn't quite fit into the football category. And that's a whole, as you said, like part of the identity, it's a whole interesting kind of mix as like, from cult to mainstream, like how, how does the evolution look to the people who are into it? Well, it's so it's so funny that you say that because I, I vividly remember back and I, and I grew up in the suburbs of Detroit, Michigan. I grew up in the 70s and 80s, and we already talked about how it was a very different landscape back there. But still, you know, I would walk out onto my 
front sidewalk, right, with my ball, and I would juggle my ball. And there was a part of me that was just really excited about the fact that there was a boy or girl on the other side of the world doing the exact same thing that I was doing, that I, I had no real connection with when it comes to culture or language necessarily, but I had this thread and it binded us and that was soccer and that was so cool and and listen i was into all the other sports huge into hockey obviously growing up in michigan it's the law but the soccer experience was something different and yes there is a a counterculture type of thing and yes especially when it comes to the us not being king and therefore having to fight and scrape for uh you know for being relevant That's right. uh, there, there's a you know you you form a you form a a you know, a kindred type of spirit with others uh, and like-minded others out there that you find. But I think what something that really attracts, especially these generations like yours and, and others as we've gone forward, is that global aspect of it. Yeah, we can, we think, you know, we think globally, we act locally. But the understanding that this is a game that's played all over the world, I think that really excites people out there to discover it, to be a part of it. And let's be honest, it really sets it apart from all the yes. quote-unquote traditional American sports that we have out there. Absolutely. There's a lot of you said that is true. First of all, the, the casualty of certain people to access American sports has to be there. You know, I've accessed other American sports in, an, in a casual way and had a great time. That has to be there for the MLS uh, you know, fan, uh, whether he's committed or not, whether he's an ultra or is a one-time purchaser. We have to appeal for both. But look... LAFC has done a lot of things right and of course the main thing is the product on the pitch and I really have to take on what's your take on bringing these two massive caliber players to this club you know because at the end of the day it's only been five years since Los Angeles had a second club you know Chivas was a disaster as you mentioned a lot of failed experiments so here we are five years in and suddenly we have two points of reference of world football playing in our backyard, accessible for people like us to go and talk to. What are your take? Is this a game-changing moment for this league? Or is this something that as being here for a long time, you say, you know what, seen it before, just another step in the big, big ladder right. that we still have to carry up? No, I mean, look, we, we have seen big signings before, but first off, a couple of things I like about th this move. It's happening at, at a time when you're basically doubling down. You're already a very, very good team, and these are just two more players. Uh, you know, I know you guys talked to John Thorrington. I got a lot of respect for the, his business acumen uh, and his strategic thinking about how to go about making a good team in Major League Soccer, and, you know, that that these players aren't breaking the bank. I think that's important. And, and mm -hmm. I think that MLS fans, maybe more than any other fans out there, as difficult as it may be and as complex as the rules and regulations may be, there is still an incredibly educated MLS fan out there when it comes to what's mm -hmm. going on. And so when, when we find out that it's, you know, it's not a, a full designated player deal and there's TAM and all that kind of stuff, we actually get excited and we can actually uh, attach value and give praise when something like that happens. So that I think is uh, is important in terms of these uh, in terms of these do these two signings. I think it's also important, as you guys know, here here in Los Angeles, that you know that consistent fight between Staying you know the uh, the old guard of the LA Galaxy and the nouveau riche of LAFC. And you know I've said plenty of times now, especially lately on uh, on air when we're when we're talking about it on Fox, that LAFC is winning this battle. And it is a battle for hearts and minds. And I'm not saying that the Galaxy fans are all of a sudden going to become LAFC yeah. fans, but there's a lot of fans out there 
that are just interested in soccer. And yes, the shiny new new toy usually gets a lot of attention, right. but it's more than that. So as you guys know, the experience when you go and watch LAFC in a really interesting stadium, in a very different type of atmosphere and circumstance than when you go and watch the, uh, the LA Galaxy. And that's that's actually a good thing, that it that it's not the same and nobody's trying to copy or do the same things. And it really kind of defines these two teams in los angeles having said that where lafc is right now the types of signings that they are making the splash the sexiness i talk all the time about super clubs lafc is absolutely one of those super clubs in that there's as many people that hate them as love them and that's a good thing don't don't shy away from that that's a that's a good thing it means you're doing something right they're making big signings they're doing things that are driving not just not just lafc but Everyone around, whether it's driving attention and focus of potential new fans out there or, you know, the uh, the others providing competition, because now when people play LAFC, they want to beat them. They wanted to beat them before. They want to beat them now. And now Mm -hmm. LAFC, I think, on a consistent basis, especially doing these types of things, is going to experience what the Galaxy have experienced year after year after year. There's something special about playing these teams. And there's something even more special when you go and you beat them. So listen, Alexi, really quick. Oh, I, I was just gonna. I was just gonna follow up. You know, with, what about the thoughts of JT and and and, and the Philly? You know that that we brought it up. Then, do you think that we are basically breaking a ceiling of how things should be done? And you know, again, what should LAFC do with designated players now? I mean, are they that important? Brian Rodriguez haven't played in about five games, right? Right. Right. I mean, and you know, you got. Uh, <laughs> Look, I don't know what you're going to do in terms of your designated uh, player situation right now. Uh, these are champagne problems, as Tata Martino would say, right? Uh, so nobody, nobody's crying for you or uh, or Steve Terundolo or anybody like that. Uh, he's been given a machine. It's a well-oiled machine. He's been given some added parts that he's going to have to figure a way to put in them. And there's plenty of, I mean... You think Peter Vermes right now with what's going on over there in Sporting KC would uh, would like to have uh, what he has at his disposal? So you know these are these are wonderful things uh, wonderful things to see. I'll be interested to see how ultimately it plays out. We saw a little bit of it in Nashville. And listen, if you can be testing some things out and still go to Nashville in front of thirty thousand people against a very good very good Nashville team and still come away with a win, man, you put that right in your uh, in your pocket. So so far. Uh, things are going well, you know the re-signings, whether it's Carlos uh, or then the players, uh, the players that are coming in. This is this is a fun team to watch. Um, this is a sexy team. Let's be honest, uh, because of the names and because of uh, of the money, and also because of the the potential. But this is also a team that is yet to win MLS Cup, and there there is a checking of a box that kind of needs to be done for this Super Club. That's right. Well, people in the chat are asking uh, about Dolo and how you see his so far him taking over coaching and how you see he's done with LAFC. Yeah, so I remember having uh, Steve Trundle on uh, my State of the Union podcast. And I I mean, the first question I asked him right out of the shoot was, given what was not a very successful run in, uh, in USL, why do you deserve this plum position? Because it's still a plum position. There's plenty of people that would like it. And he said... Mm-hmm. Basically, very simply, because I'm the man for the job. And listen, so far, so good. Everything that he has touched has turned to gold. I think he'd be the first person to tell you that it's not always going to be that way, especially in a league like Major League Soccer with the manufactured parity out there. But so far, so good. And keep in mind, this is 
This is a young, relatively inexperienced coach who has been given the keys to this car. He has had to deal with you know, everything that we've just talked about, and I don't think he's missed a beat. And I think that that says a lot about the confidence that you know, I saw and heard in that answer way back when, but he's backing it up. It's easy to talk about things. It's another thing actually to be able to implement them each and every day and to have it produce results on the field. And this next challenge of integrating in some very, very good players without destroying the dynamic, figuring Mm. out, you know, are you going to use that DP and where are you going to use that DP? And are you going to, if it, if it ain't broke, are you going to try to fix it? And are you going to try to shoehorn some people in there? I mean, this is, this is going to be fascinating. And for his development as a coach, this is this is huge, and he's going to come right. out of this a better coach for LAFC, and who knows where he'll uh, go down the line. Yeah, Eric, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a lot there. No, I, My concern with them is youth, and I uh, still to be seen. We didn't talk about it, but Eric, you go ahead and shoot, shoot the next question. No, no, go for it, go for it, Celso. Because I'll, I'll probably no. I was just going to say that we we have not played our youth as much this year as we have last year with Bob Bradley, for example. You know, we brought in a lot of veterans, which we've asked for. So to me, it's a fine balance. You know. You have to keep the, the youth developing and, and, and exposing them when there's opportunities. But at the same time, you know, it was very clear over the last two years that we were relying a little bit too much on that, uh, you know, development, if you may. And to be honest, you know, you can see what Bob Bradley is going through there, uh, you know, a bunch of youths in, uh, in Toronto. You know, and we, don't, we want no part of that. We love, we love the, the experience. Guys. Excite me. So, I mean, you can play, play the kids and all that kind of stuff. That's fine. But don't don't ask me to buy tickets to see somebody develop. All right. Exactly. I, I, yeah. This is LAFC. All right. And like it or not, what LAFC has established is an elite team. And you're coming there for the experience. It's in Los Angeles. And so you got to live up to all the other, other entertainment when it comes to that. And I think I think they have for the most part. But yes, you need youth. And yes, development even just from a practical perspective, is important because it can you know, it can fund you. It can it can be an asset yes. that appreciates that you then That's then sell on. Especially by the way, if you're not involved in youth development here in Los Angeles, then you're leaving a lot on the table because we know how much talent there uh, there actually is. But ultimately, on that field, I want to see the best possible players. I want to see the best possible team. And if it's old, young, or anywhere in between, it doesn't really uh, it, it doesn't really matter to me. Great answer. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, great, great points. I, uh, I, I would love to see our academy program do do something similar to what Dallas is doing, and you know, looking at Philadelphia and what they've done there with the player pool is is really just one of the most incredible things for me that I think I've seen in the league. But um, kind of switching gears, you talked about Trundolo and his tough years at the Vegas Lights, and our group kind of got together about a year ago when LAFC was at the bottoms of the the X goal battles and not scoring games and just kind of losing at the end, you know, the, the last six months of Bradley's coaching career here, which is tough for us as LAFC fans. And kind of what we got together is because we started watching a lot of the press, the post-game pressers and a lot of the questions coming at Adam, we, we just thought weren't very strong questions and they were almost kind of avoiding a lot of kind of ugly truths, you know, and, and it, one of the things uh, meandering a bit, but uh, that I love about you is is seeing, especially U.S. national team, and how much the badge means to you, That's and right. kind of seeing you call people out when you think that they're not they're not playing for what what is something bigger than themselves. And so, a lot of the press conferences that we see kind of media develop in MLS is we would just see a lot of softball questions thrown after very bad losses, and we all kind of got frustrated and kind of just started talking to other fans, and we're kind of like. 
why aren't they asking these questions? Like they're kind of asking soft questions. So is this some, obviously as we go, players come here because uh, media can be really tough in other countries and in America, it's more relaxed, but as the league gets bigger, are we going to start to see more tougher questions and things come out with people? And do you think like a more, a more, um, you know, aggressive media environment is going to fall with the league like it does in other sports. And and what do you think that's going to look like over the next landscape? Is it important for a healthy league to grow to have like, you know, kind of a media that gets more aggressive as well? Yeah, but I think it's natural. I think it's a natural progression as as the game evolves in the country, as it gets bigger, there are more and more opportunities. I mean, it makes me very proud that there are so many more opportunities than there ever were, you know, back when I was coming up after you play. And, you know, whether it's whether it's coaching or media or, or a bunch of other things out uh, out there uh, that are now available, that's you know, that's that's a great thing. But with that is going to come increased competition with that when it comes to media in uh, specifically, uh, I do think that it's going to become more robust, uh, but it's also going to be spread out and there's going to be more and more voices. And as you guys know, I mean, we're, we're doing it right here. A platform is as far as your computer. There it is. You're ready to go. You're broadcasting. You are you are, you are putting it uh, putting it out there. And so it sometimes it does mean that there's there's just a lot. I mean, we all know everybody on their mother, including my mother, <laughs> has a podcast, and everybody does those things. But I look at it as a natural progression of soccer. We have always in soccer had to kind of use that DIY mentality. Um, and that's that's not a bad thing. It's actually kind of made us who we are. But without the, you know, obviously soccer not being king, and without without those mainstream type of platforms that are so abundant in all the other sports, we've had to make our own. And you know, I mentioned fanzines and the the, the advent of the the internet and uh, and and the way that we have used it. And then you know, I think soccer people in general. Uh, the ingenuity that they have is 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 amazing. And don't think for a second what you are doing or what others are doing out there isn't lending itself to that evolution, that progression that you are you, uh, that you are talking about. And it's and it, it takes time. And sometimes we can be impatient as Americans and as as people involved in soccer, we can be impatient. But I, I'm just here to tell you, maybe give you a little perspective of how far we have come in in a relatively short period of time. And so as we continue on, whether it's great players, whether it's great teams, whether it's great TV contracts or whether it's great media, it's going to continue to grow. And there are going to be bigger and better versions of it that come uh, that come along. And, you know, they can pry it from my cold, dead, redded hands. I'm going to hold on for as long as I possibly can. But they're coming and it's and it's a wonderful thing. And I do think that they are coming armed with not only the knowledge, but the confidence that this sport, this league, uh, these players, they can, they can handle that. They can handle the level of scrutiny. And guess what? Criticism. Uh, it's very nice of you to say those things about me. I mean, I've been doing this a long time, so I recognize that I'm going to say things. People are going to agree. People are going to disagree. People are going to tell me to my face or tweet me or send me emails or tell me when I walk away to my back or whatever it ends up being. It comes yeah, with territory. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, one, one thing I always take away listening to you is that you love the game, you love the sport, and you just want to see the game grow here. And almost everything I see behind, if I was to guess the motivation, your motivation is just to grow soccer across the United States and, you know, make make it more and more and more and have bring everybody 
the the joy that you've had to the game, like try to share that out there, Bray. So that's and we don't have we don't have enough of the discussion. We don't have enough of the discussion and the debate. I mean, you know as well as I do, you'll sit with some of your your buddies uh, in, in a supporters group or whatever, and you're sitting at a bar, you're sitting in a you know a uh, a lobby of a hotel or an airport, whatever, and you have these discussions, and they can be really really interesting and in depth, and we just don't get to see enough of that from a traditional sense. So so we have have to go in a much more non traditional sense but i i love it and i love having those conversations one of the you know there's 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 mostly negatives but there are some some interesting silver linings when it comes to the last couple of years the interaction and the communication that we have had out of necessity uh i've loved having those conversations but i will tell you that having not been on the road over the last couple of years because of uh because of covid it, it I've really missed the opportunity to sit down with people and talk with people and argue people and yell and scream and do all the different things that I, that I love to do. And we try to take a little bit of that in terms of what we do on, on television. Some of it translates, some of it, uh, some of it doesn't. But the reality is that we just don't have enough of those platforms that other countries and cultures, you know, are every 24 seven. It is, it is happening. And over here, when it comes to, you know, many of our other sports, we have a lot of it, but soccer isn't quite there yet. You know, so speaking of platforms, we did just get the good news about Apple, which I feel is a huge deal for MLS because, you know, you are talking about over there in seas where, you know, look, that they bleed and breathe football. That's what it is, right? So now it's going to be a lot easier for them to get MLS into their door. We know it's going to be on a Wednesday and Saturday. How big is this for MLS to know that we have those on those t- on those days now? We don't have to go through Twitter and look for it and it fall out or whatever else happens. This is a big deal, no? It's a big deal. I mean, I mean, practically it's a big deal just in terms of the money. And that that is important. It matters yes. because... You, you like to think that, first off, the message that it sends about the growth of this league and about the future of this league to right. other investors, to uh, you know people that are looking for expansion, uh, sponsors, all that kind of stuff. It's important. The numbers matter. And so mm-hmm. when Apple comes in and over a course of years is giving a billion dollars, not giving, but paying a billion dollars, uh, and this is a company, you know, a blue chip type of company, a company that does not suffer fools, a company that recognizes also the long play. Yeah, this is a this is a, a spectacular moment. And while it has nothing to do necessarily with kicking the ball, we may look back many years from now at it being a seminal moment, especially with 2026 coming. There are certainly risks involved. Uh, you know, it is. We know that there are, are the problem for Major League Soccer is not that there aren't soccer fans in the United States. The mm-hmm. problem for Major League Soccer is there's not enough Major League Soccer fans in the United States. Yes. And so when this shift happens in 2023, you know, the MLS folks that, that have been watching, they're going to go. And they're going to go to a certain extent, you know, behind a paywall. And is it out of sight, out of mind? Because something that we do want to do is make it as readily available to not just people domestically around the world. And you talked about the international aspect. And I think that's that's great. But do we? Does the message gets lo- get get lost because it can't be heard? I don't necessarily think so. And I do think that there are going to be linear deals also that uh, that uh, that MLS does with you know the likes of ESPN or Fox uh, going forward. So that traditional type. A broadcast, I still think is going to be a part of it. But you, I, I think MLS says we're going to try to see around the corner here with the with who we are partnering with and with the type of platform in the form of streaming uh, that we are going to uh, go with. Saturday. So 
I mean, there's lots of decided, in general. I think it's easy. Make it thing. easy to find games for yes. everybody around the world. The one, the one back backdrop is that Apple is a huge company within the United States. It's still, an Android world, still a Google world actually around, and I work a lot with mobile. And you know, everybody outside the United States has an Android device, right? So there is a little bit of a box enclosed box here but for a domestic this is going to allow millions of people with an iphone for simply just turning on a major league soccer game that's powerful great. to me because it you know the quality is there i always talk about it you just need reach and reach is hard to find without the behemoths right of espn and and fox which has been sort of a, a, the two player right but they can only do so much so to me it's the right move get more more outlets out there more ways to connect and i applaud the other ways that we've been uh, consuming it too whether it's twitter and whatnot we we basically need a mix of everything because the, you know we need to basically put the, the message out there that the product is increasing and the quality of the players is just as good as the Brazilian league, for example. And we see it in the values, right? You know, Fox had that beautiful uh, chart of all the values of the of the amounts, and and wow. then finally Major League Soccer is catching up. And I think they will pass Syria in Brazil very soon. And the question to me is, how long will it take until we pass the French league, which is about double the value, right? Mm-hmm. That to me is the goal, and to me is very attainable within 2026. Right? That's all. I wanted to say yeah i mean you think it's possible oh yeah oh yeah to catch up i mean fridge? look i i think that the, you know one of the reasons why apple or anybody else looks at this and and you know we've seen it reflected in the um the, you know the franchise fees and and how tr- i mean guys we could have we could have had an mls team for you know, whatever 10 million dollars or something like that back in the early aughts right. and now the next round of mls expansion i mean you're going to be into the what the the three million dollars, and yeah. that's just to get the actual team. Then you got to build a stadium, you got to have the infrastructure, yeah. you got to pay all that kind of stuff. So it is, it is not for the faint of heart, and actually, it is for the very deep pocket. And that's the other the good thing in terms of the ownership when you look at Major League Soccer. Um, that owner ownership. Well, first off, they used to just be able to go into a room. Now you know they need a banquet room. <laughs> they need something big to accommodate <laughs> everybody. Bank. When they start looking around, man, that is a who's who. And that is some very, very influential, and let's be honest, some very, very rich men and women that are sitting around that have said, this is what I want to put money into. This is what I believe in for the long term. And some have you know, different goals with their, with their, uh, with their involvement. But ultimately, you know, these are smart people that have interests all over the place. And they have decided to do something like that. So, yeah, I mean, this is... This is interesting times that we are going in. And as you know, I mentioned, and I'll bring it back to 2026 and how important I think that is going to be. And I think the league saw that there's a ramp, as do a lot of people out there, leading up to 2026 when the world is going to come here yet again for a Men's World Cup for the first time since 1994. And I'll tell you what, whether it's the world coming or just us here on the ground, it is a very, very different landscape than back in 1994. That's and I think right. with, that, uh, with that, I think we can do some amazing things that then are going to make sure that when the circus leaves town, because we always know that the World Cup comes and goes, That's when right. that circus leaves town, that it's left with building things, planting seeds, and, and leaving us in a better position and in a better position to go forward uh, than it was when it started in you know 2025. And maybe some and of those young the, guys the over there in Europe that's always cold say, you know what, I like it over here in the States. Right. So let me see if I could just yeah. mosey my way on over there and get in one of those MLS hey, clubs. Listen, it, it, listen <laughs> you guys, I mean, you, you, you follow this game, you, you know. Um, you know, for example, if you look back at um, 
the migration to England, all right? People didn't go to England. Players didn't go to England for the weather and the food. Let's be honest, okay? They, you know, they went for the money. Another migration could happen. Is it difficult? Yes. I mean, the EPL is king. We all, we all understand that. But if you talk to players, whether it's players on LAFC or players on other teams that come here, when they talk about reasons for why they come, you know, it, it's, it's obviously there, there is no longer that stigma that at times did exist, uh, so a player's, uh, the the perception of that player is not marred necessarily by a player coming to MLS. That's important. The I mean, these are real issues, right? We, we Sometimes we worry about the, the, the 90 minutes and we forget about the other 22 and a half hours, right? The, the security for them, um, the health and the happiness of their family and their kids, education, all of these oh, yeah. different things that North America can provide. If... The money was all the same, and if none of them lost any clout when it came to playing for their national team, don't think for a second that we wouldn't see an exodus and you wouldn't see a migration happen uh, to uh, to North America to play in uh, in Major League Soccer. So it's going to take a long time, and who knows if it happens in, in my lifetime or not, but certainly with 26 and beyond the different things that are happening, I think we'll see more and more of it being an accepted move by the rest of the world for a player to do that. A I mini-gration, like I call so it, because it's already happened with Shakiri and those guys, too. There we yeah. go, yep. Thank you so much for coming and joining us. There, someone does ask, do you remember what the World Cup 94 mascot was? Yeah, Striker. Striker. It was a, uh, <laughs> a flappy-eared dog, you know? And, uh, yeah, I, I, listen, 90, 94, the reason why I'm talking to you today is because of 1994. It changed my life. I lived the power of what it can do to an individual, and that's why I'm so excited about what's going to happen in 2026. There might be, you know, some of the players that we talk about, uh, you know, now with the national team that we're going to see in Qatar. There might be others that we're not even talking about right now that are going to get to live that dream, and they're going to experience the power of a World Cup, and it'll change them forever. It's an amazing thing. You seem like they listen to your rant really well because everybody seems to be uh, playing a different brand of football now. And uh, I, I, as a dual citizen of Brazil and the United States, I actually can see this thing going deep and these two teams hopefully meeting somewhere. So that's my hope. And it will be a divided heart now all of a sudden. Well, no, we got a long history when it comes uh, to Brazil. I remember it well. I remember running around after uh, Romario and Bebeto in uh, in 1994, oh, and uh, you know, playing against you know just just incredible players. And so there already is a history. I mean, history repeats itself, right? Because we're going to the World Cup again. We're facing Iran, which is what we did in 19, uh, 1998. Mm-hmm. England, obviously, we're facing again uh, going forward. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a real fun tournament. Uh, as you guys know, it's gonna be very unique and different being. First off, in Doha, in uh, in Qatar, in the Middle East for the first time, and then obviously in November and December. But I, I remain incredibly bullish about this team that Greg Berhalter has uh, at his disposal for all of the talent that they have. Yeah, they'll be young. Yeah, they'll be naive to a certain extent. They'll make some stupid mistakes every once in a while. But in general, and I think we mentioned this before, there's a uh, you know there's there there's a beautiful arrogance within them, uh, and there is a swagger that I'll be honest with you, I haven't seen for a long time. And so I hope that that holds up and I hope that they use that and harness that uh, come November and December in the World Cup. Well, thank you so much again for coming and joining us. We held you way over what what we said we would, but we appreciate you being a trooper and and having this conversation with me. It's been a pleasure getting to just hear you talk about, you know, 
soccer here in the state to be completely honest with you and so i've, I've really enjoyed this thank you so much well, let me just let me just echo what i said a little bit uh before uh you know a lot of us that kick the ball get a lot of credit and, and a lot of attention when it comes to uh the sport but what you guys are doing okay is as important as anybody that kicks a ball uh don't anybody let, let, uh, let anybody tell you any different all right i know it's a labor of love for you and so many people out there but it matters it matters that you're talking you. about it. It matters that you know we can see your passion and I can feel uh, the emotion uh, and the commitment. And let's be honest, when it comes right down to it, the love that you have for this game. And we can agree and disagree on different things like that, but we all want the same thing. We want this thing to grow. We want as many people to experience this beautiful game as possible going forward. But that requires work. And that requires work for men and women out there every single day, slogging in the trenches. All right? Perfect. So That's thank you. Of, uh, you. Me, you know all the guys that, uh, that that kick a ball and like i said do get a get a lot of attention thank you for what you are doing because it matters uh, well thank right, you for thank coming you, on here we hope You're to have you back anytime, and we'll, we'll talk some more thanks guys see ya thank you man have a good one wow oh, that was me. That so you always was end up with me man, man. like fine dude like, that was amazing He's a, like, I love watching, uh, listening to his uh, spaces. They're, they're great, yeah. you know? So real. Um, and uh, him and Eric always have a great relationship. Eric, good job on bringing him on. Yeah, he, he, yeah, he so talking in the Lonely Heart Soccer Club. So, you he know, was awesome. Every time I see that on, I get up there. It's a, it's, a, it's a fun time. But you guys know what this is about. We're here for LAFC. We do have Gaston here with us. Hey, Senor Gaston, directamente de Montevideo, Uruguay. Exactly. <laughs> right from Montevideo. I'm, I'm sorry. Straight from Montevideo. Yeah. One of the places I still want to visit one day. One day. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's, it's beautiful down here. <laughs> Sorry for the um, downgrade. You just had one of the biggest legends in, in U.S. soccer, and <laughs> now you have me. But we'll no, hey, hey, yeah, hey, no. Hey, you are part of the boys. Don't start that. You 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 are not a downgrade. This is a big deal. You know. Um. No, but listen, we're all here to talk about Nashville versus LAFC. I want you on here. You're part of this. This is what it is. Like, Thank you, and we got to talk about what is going on with us losing our guy. Free poncho, you know, like yeah. he, he did. How, how am I going to decide between Penarol and Nacional? Yeah, you well, know, you've got Diego, that's you easy. Know, he likes Penarol. It's, 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 look, wait. It's, <laughs> oh, I <laughs> we started something. Wait, wait. See what you did. Um, so, so no, but listen, let, let's let's talk about the Nashville game a little bit. Um, guess on, let's get your takes on it because we we talked about seeing Kalini in the lineup. When you seen him in the lineup, what'd you think, man? I was really excited that I knew I knew that it was perhaps the ideal game to have Chiellini there because he had to face uh, Mukhtar, who is a fantastic player. Um, he is he's having a great perhaps, year. Yeah, he's perhaps the closest thing I've seen in MLS to 2019 Carlos Vela. I, I, I tweeted it last year and he continues to be at that level. I love Jaime Mukhtar, so it was a big, big challenge. Uh, for LAFC to to man, to maintain him quiet, I think we did a great job. Of course, the penalty. Well, Mukhtar took it, but it could have been any other player. It's not like he had uh, like much um, freedom when he got the ball. And uh, I thought Chiellini was the perfect guy to face uh, such a talented player like Mukhtar. Of course, Chiellini is used to playing against the top, top tier players in the world. So Mukhtar wouldn't wouldn't have been like 
a much of a challenge for him, but but he was a challenge for LAFC. And I think that Chiellini had a, a great connection with Murillo. I could see them talking to each other uh, throughout the, the first half mostly uh, because in the first minutes we were a little shaky. Um, but yeah, I think that they, they understood how to play with each other. And um, I, I was really pleased with Chiellini's minutes, not only defensively, but with his uh, ball playing ability. He's I mean, such a his beast. accuracy was out of this world. I mean, this is usually yeah. uh, Celso's thing, but Celso, 87% accuracy on his pass. Yeah, I was actually like, just looking at his numbers right now. Oh but now, no, gosh, I mean, dude, dude, you can run with this. It's, it no, 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 I'm just saying, good, yeah. like, that's crazy, right? And then his long balls, like five out of nine on the long balls at 56%. Like, this isn't even my thing, but I started researching because – Obviously, guys, you y'all know I'm an L. I'm a, I'm a I'm a Juve fan. With him here at LAFC, it's a big deal. Seeing him pass those long balls, I was I was like, okay, we are gonna have this at LAFC. So I was impressed with it. I really thought uh, Celso would be hype with those type of uh, numbers. No, no, yeah, but he was very surgical about where he was making his passes. Like if you look at his heat map, it was essentially stops right in the middle of the field and is between the top of the box, right? right? So the person is fully aware where he needs to be at all times and 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 negated that side, you know, that right side, you know, essentially, you know, the right side of the national attack. They really didn't have anything going on in the 60 minutes that he was in the field. And then suddenly a starter from like several years just come in to spell him, right, for the last 30 minutes of play. And this is where I believe that nobody else has a chance against him, right, because starters from two years ago are now making their ways to play 30 minutes and spelling a star like Chiellini, right? Oh. Like, I mean, as long oh. as we're healthy, I'll keep saying this, this is a championship team. Three times he, already he was today. Out there being the conductor, Eric. He was literally out there to sell. So he was just telling them, "You go here, you go here." I mean, it was beautiful, right? Like, I want to call him the conductor. What did you he think? Does talk, yeah. huh? And then, and then the top it off. You know, he he gets subbed by Eddie Segura. Like, you know, just Bro. just a complete embarrassment of riches. So, you know, what are you gonna yeah. do? You know, and then, uh, but, 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 but I want to talk about the, the goal. We don't have it. I didn't, I didn't prepare any of that, but let's talk about it. It started from the back. It yeah. started with Kalini, Kalini connecting with Vela, Vela connecting over. I mean, it was beautiful goal and it started from the back. And that's when I knew that this team was going to be what we needed it to be. That's when I knew that those passes out, that's why I started looking at the accuracy. I was like, yo, this is crazy. I just got to see what these numbers are. And, um, you know, it, it reminds me a lot of what what he's always done with uh, with Juve, but to see him doing it here at LAFC with Vela and then you know connecting with uh, Arango was just beautiful. You know, it, I was I was pretty impressed. You know, so so yeah, everything yeah. You, I, I mean everything you could ask for, it, you you know we got from him, and uh, I I really also felt that sixty minutes was a perfect amount for him to play, regardless of the result. Right, so. He, he got his feet wet. Um, you know, what's interesting is that he had some comments about the weather uh, being yeah, hot and hot. such. <laughs> and some people from Texas jump right, jump right into it. Welcome to the United States. You know, and that's been a concern of, of, of players coming in here because they have to play in the in the heat many times against many of these teams that have extremely conditions, right? And that was a little bit of this in this game. He said it was really, really hot. So, mm -hmm. but again, for a 35-plus 
your Blair, you know, that makes a difference, right? Doesn't Eric, it? talk yeah. about what you've seen in that goal, man. How, how you've seen it play out. I mean, you know, it, the the thing I saw about that goal, it, and, you know, and we, we've talked about the defense. Now we kind of move up into the offense with the goal. It's like Arango with this talk two months ago about what are we going to do with him? Are we going to move him off? Are we going to hire some, you know, brand new shiny premier league guy at 29 or 31 years old, whatever. Chicho Arango, basically that goal says, Hey, I'm not going anywhere. You're going to try to move me off this team. Forget it. At this point, like who can trade Arango anywhere with his production lately? I mean, the guy has just done everything. And, uh, I, to me, that that's what that goal was, was Arango saying, I'm here, try to move me. You know, at, at this point, there's no way. Two months ago, I would have been fine with. I'd be like, you get a good deal on him, great. Like, let's let's move it and see what we get now. Absolutely no way, man. Chicho gang rides again. No, Isn't you know, this I, a buy low, sell high a, situation, I though? Fair, I think this is a fair assessment. Most of us thought that he would be moved, right? And now it's to a point where how can he be moved? He's scoring every game. Yeah, Gaston. So what are you gonna do? You know, you have you have him there. You might as well use him. The goal was beautiful. You see what he's producing. What, what are you gonna do? You can't move him. And and you, you know, know I I hear you with the buy low, sell high. But number one, win the cup. You know, if we had a cup in the rearview mirror, we could talk about buy low, sell high. But for me, it's like that's got to be the number one goal at this point. Gaston, what, what, what worried me a little bit is that Bale uh, came into the game as a striker. Uh, mm -hmm. and I, I thought that Bale was coming on for Opoku, who didn't have a really good game. Um, so yeah, I, I honestly would have bet that it was going to be Opoku coming off. It was Chicho. That that makes me a little bit nervous uh, because, I mean, Chicho, yeah, he, he wasn't having a good game. Aside from the goal, he didn't do much. Uh, he had a great long shot with his left foot in the second half, but aside from that, nothing else. But, I mean, he's Chicharango. He's built himself a name in this league, and defenders know that you got to be careful with Chicho, even if he's having a bad game. And uh, his name marks a bigger presence than Opoku's. So I thought that that Opoku was coming off. Um, of course, I, I was really excited to see Bale, but in the back of my head, there was this thing saying, "Yo, there's a reason why why Chicho was the one that that came off." Mm. Uh, let's hope that he stays, man. Uh, I I really like him uh, as staying. a player, and uh, also you can tell that he is a really loved player in the in the dressing room. So uh, I think that he has the that 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 that. Fuck. <laughs> like he's the, the player and the person who could build a a legacy here in LAFC if oh, given the fair. time, if given the time, and uh, if he keeps producing in the way he is. So a long-lasting LAFC player that I, we I'd love to see. And he needs to be made a designated what do you think player about then, that? no? Like a Rui oh. Diaz, pretty much. So, so what do you think yeah. about that? 
Well, and then he needs to be made a designated player. You know, that's that to me is very simple. If you have that much belief that he's going to do all these things, then we immediately have to consider him as a DP. But again, nobody's going to do anything. We're going to let this thing mature and and see if he keeps producing. Two months ago, he didn't produce. Last year, he was a penalty kick machine, and now he's (laughs) semi-god. So the the, the problem that I have with the Chicho Arango narrative is that every three months is a new season. It seems like I'm watching like Stranger Things, and every season is different. Like, I don't, I can't follow. so I'm still not seeing enough of him to say he's our saver. We're going to build statues outside of the uh, Bank of California for him. But what I can say is that if there's a huge offer at the Tati level or slightly below, right, and he's scoring at the same level as Tati Castellanos, why couldn't LFC here, listen, if we're starting to get the talents and such of Bale and so these guys to come in here? At the end of the day, you can turn that money into something bigger, man. So kudos to him. He gets to go to Europe and gets another shot of that. A lot of players want that. Maybe he wants it again, right? And then we get a, a sum of money that we can turn into something else. I don't think it's hurting the player if we find him a suitor in a good league in Europe that he can develop. I think that's the goal of the team. Anytime you have a player in your roster and he's 26, 27, and he demonstrated caliber to go to Europe, you have to move the player or give him a DP contract, right? To Eric's point, we need to want a chip first. NYCFC won theirs last year, right? So they're happy to move the player and start over. We're still looking for our first. I will say that I have not been in a, D- a Rongo DP. However, I am you going not. to tell you right now, I have not been. I, I've said it. I haven't been a person yeah. that said that Arango should be a DP. I want mm-hmm. him to be the highest paid without being a DP. However, mm-hmm. he is earning that spot. I mean, it is what it is. Like, if a person is constantly scoring goals, I'm not going to say, yo, you don't earn it. You know what I mean? If they're all you talking PKs, about Cifuentes? I, no, oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, no. No, I'm saying if, you, if you're taking PKs, that's one thing. But if you're scoring these goals the way you are, then I, you, you have to really be thought about. Um, but uh, I thought it was really cool. Rich posted a picture of um, Bell, Kalini, uh, uh, and Vela in the locker room. It looked so cool. Their faces were so intense. It was a great feeling picture. The reason I'm bringing this up is because we didn't quite get to see all three of them on there together, but we got a little glimpse of it, right? Because mm-hmm. Kalini came out, uh, yeah. Gareth went in, and we seen what Gareth did, that little backhill pass that he did to Vela running on the side that almost connected with Vela doing another backhill, Eric. How sick was it if it would have connected? It would have been absolutely fantastic for that to be one of his first few minutes of a touch within an LAFC kit. Am I wrong? No, that's it, it's good stuff, you know, and, and luckily we have the lead, so you're allowed to play with the back of your foot if you have the lead. It was you know, beautiful. And, uh, <laughs> we have a rule in this house. If you're not winning the game, then you need to play the ball with the front of your foot before you try playing with the back. And, that's uh, a good that's rule. Good. I like it, Eric. No, no, okay. no okay. pretty it shit. Since she said no pretty shit, free shit doesn't win you nothing. So what you're saying is I like the showboat and stuff, okay? I get it. But it was nice looking, dude. It all Because then worked. LAFC ran with it and they made like a gif out of it and they got 250,000 views of this dude's little flicker and <laughs> we was, won nothing. Know, Actually, we did. Hey, we won a game talking, with Cifuentes Go. That man needs to be talked about. He's a monster and he's our guy. Number 20, baby. And he's going to continue this because now he knows that he's got a lot of good people around him and he's the type of player that grows when he's got people getting good around him. So I am excited to see what we're going to do with Cifuentes. 
he may be the one that ends up moving, right? A lot of suitors been in the system for two to three years, and we just sort of don't know what's going to happen to him. Suddenly, the guy is like unstoppable. So to me, the question and everything, the success we're having, starting with the middle, the number 10 that we currently have, which is Jose Cifuentes, baby. And I just had to get that off my chest no, because we a lot of talk about Chicho right. and a you lot of talk about it, other guys and none of the talk about the guys that made this, which no. is him and Hollingshead. No, stop. I, I was getting there. I was getting there. Sorry. I mean, look, 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 we, we ran we're over. We're, we're, we're going to go a little over. It has to happen, but we yeah, got yeah. to. Celso's right. Look, Hollingshead <laughs> was a beast out there. He got elbowed. Yeah. He got he got slam dunk. He got all Jesus. types of stuff, bro. This dude was a beast out there, and we all know yeah. that he, yeah. he deserves to be uh, someone that everybody talked about. But no, Celso. Sifu has been amazing the last two games, right? Like, fire. This guy has made some great <laughs> goals, and he is on fire. Eric, Gaston, jump in on it. Like, so, yeah, uh, Sifu I'll, I'll, I'll jump in. It. and you know, This is something along these lines I was thinking with the development of Sifu, the development of Palacios, oh. you know, we, the development of Arango. We have so many players that come in young. Throw, throw Diego Rossi into this list. You know, throw Edward Atuesta into this list of guys that come in and they start hitting ceilings that people I don't think really expected them to hit. You know, Palacios is on track to be a candidate for a best 11 this season. We see what Sifu's doing. We see what all of these young guys, you know, let's, let's uh, look, look at some like fall. Let's look at him in a couple of years as well, but look at the development our team is doing, taking these 18, 19 year old kids. And by the time they're 21, 22, they're playing at just a, a level where you're basically looking at it and saying, if I'm going to keep them, I have to DP, you know, but can, or can we send them, but you know, a consistent development, you know, and sometimes there's misses, which we'll get into. And we see guys loaned off to other clubs, but um, yeah, we're going to get like, into that. Yeah. Like, like, but, Hinella, but you know, be, and yeah, sorry. No, but to be fair, like he's young too, right? And he mm-hmm. gave yeah, the number is. up. He put out something really cool about giving the number up. Dude, this kid ceiling is high and i will be surprised if we can keep him for much longer with the way that he's playing gaston you haven't had a chance to say anything about sifu yet well uh, sifu well he, he couldn't have a better motivation than what he he had there was a gustavo alfaro ecuador's national team coach watching the game live on nashville and uh i mean sifu uh, played like the sifu I want to see every week. Cause every week. With, with, with Sifu, there's this problem that he's really irregular uh, when it comes to giving these masterclass performances and then he downgrades his level uh, pretty deeply. Um, but if, if this Sifu uh, is, is the Sifu that we're going to see from now on till the end of the season, I'm sure, I'm sure that we're winning the cup. And not only that, but we are getting 10 million plus euros in a big transfer. Because, <laughs> I mean, he's scoring or assisting in every game. This is, this is like, not normal in, every, in any league. This is beautiful. Like, of course, of course. He's playing. Uh, he's being that leader in the midfield now that Ilie has downgraded his level um, a little bit since the nah, start of the not- season. A little bit. Like he's not that that extremely good as he was. He's still like fantastic he will be. player. He just had a bad game. Uh, but I think that Sifu, knowing that he's also one of those players that doesn't have his spot in the starting eleven secured. I mean, um, 
there's, well, no plan choice out, but you still have some competition. There's that possibility of playing a 4-2-3-1 in which Sifu wouldn't have uh, uh, his position secured. So he has that That's motivation true. to be playing at a good level, game in, game out, so he can uh, keep his spot in the starting 11. Um, that doesn't happen with Bela, that doesn't happen with, uh, let's say, Crepo, because they are like obvious starters in every game. Mm -hmm. But players like Sifu have that obligation to always give their best. And uh, just, I, I wanted to give a, a shout out to my friend uh, Jorge. He's watching us from Spain. It's like 3 a.m. over there. But wow, what's up, yeah. Wait, have, like, you know what that means? Let's audience. jump into it. They're here for the best a reason. Spaniard they in, about, they the best hear about Spaniard in the this league plays for LAFC, not the revolution. Yeah, that's right. So let's oh, talk about the Sanchez. Are we going to talk about that penalty? <laughs> well, ah, we, come on. Not after I just called the best. Let's player. talk about Poncho leaving. Uh, you know, uh, let's talk about him going. Uh, Gaston, tell us. Tell us about the club he's going to. Give us a little bit of the information. Well, um, Pancho is going to a massive club. Um, really? Yeah, massive, massive. Like they've they've won the the well. It's not the club World Cup, but what what it was like thirty years ago, three times. Like they are three times world champions. That's a big thing. They've won three times the Copa Libertadores, the the Champions League from South America. They have won like. 40, 45, something like that, Uruguayan leagues, which isn't that a big deal because there are only two competitive teams in this league, Peñarol and Nacional, but it's it's a big number. Uh, I think that they are the club with the most titles in the world. Uh, there's a, a lot of controversy because they count some amateur uh, trophies, but that's a topic for another day. And... Uh, it's a, a team that's gaining a lot of a lot of international attention because uh, Luisito Suarez, our guy, um, my my striker, is uh, is a real. There's a real chance that we see Suarez going to Nacional in this in this year. Yeah. For real? Yeah, yeah. According wow. to reporting here, it's a big chance that we can see Ginella and Suarez on the same pitch. But not with the black and gold shirt, which would have been would have been better, many, <laughs> much better for sure. And uh, they are a club that has been the, the best club in Uruguay in the last in the last decade. Uh, Peñarol hasn't been at their best. Um, they've won more championships than us. They are in the quarterfinals of the Copa Sudamericana, which is like the Europa League from South America. So and they are the runners up of the of the general league right now. Uh, so uh, it's it's so a great is Pacho is is gonna start? Do you think he's gonna get some meaningful minutes and that's the reason why he left? I mean I honestly felt that he was part of the rotation and you know now we have this hole you know, and it's clear we now we don't have a six and and it seems like he just he just didn't want to be here anymore what do you think happened there you know is uh was he opportunistic uh, is he going to come back in a year and become the starter after Eli Sanchez retires what's the plan do you think what is uh, the well, Uruguayan media telling you i think Ginella is playing a lot of minutes i'd say that he will start uh 
every game he's available wow. if, if he performs well that's I mean, great Junela is a elite midfielder for the Uruguayan league like this league is is bad I, I gotta admit the Uruguayan league is bad uh, we've got great players great youngsters but the league in general but to be fair, he started, like as Celso was saying, though, he really was becoming part of this rotation. But I yeah, guess if you're going to go weird. there and you're going to play at the best uh, best club in Uruguay and you're going to get all the minutes, you might as well go there. Maybe get a little yeah. bit better to Celso's that, point. That told me that the club back. was looking at someone else, to be honest. Like, it's just yeah, odd well, to move the player. Adrian Flynn, Flynn, I don't know how you're Fine, yeah, it. and it was reported yeah. that that deal was not yeah, happening. They, and he's going they, back they to Bayern. Fell through. Yeah. Well, well, first of all, they didn't say he left yet. It's just Byron had pulled back a little bit or something. So we, we don't know what's happening. But I know he was in training, what, last week or something, right? So yeah. we got to see what happens with it. But um, good for Janello, man. Janello, though, that's awesome. I understand. Well, Nacional, uh, Nacional wanted him uh, in a loan trade last year. It was like one year ago, approximately. But according to what I heard, to the report, uh, Bradley uh, said, "Like, no, Pancho, don't leave. Uh, I'm gonna play you more." And Pancho started to play. He was playing quite well, and he got injured. Injured. Uh, yeah, and his season was over. And uh, like Nacional insisted quite a lot with Pancho. I, that's why I think that he's going to be a key part of their team. I mean, okay, so Gaston, everybody wants to ask you one more about B-Rod. Are the, oh. is yeah, it really switch gears here, though. It really is matters. It, the current Is it really player. being reported that he might be leaving again or no? Uh, I, honestly, I honestly don't know. According to the reports, which... Honestly, to me, it didn't seem much. It didn't, did it? But they're not talking about it in Uruguay, are they? No, no. Okay, good. um, I I mean... I I mean, because it puts really in a bad position if he goes right now, dude. It's a lot to figure out. I don't know if we want to be dealing with that during the middle of the season right now. Am I I wrong, Celso? Eric, tell me. There are windows, man. Are we talking about the the, the rumors that Brian was... uh, gonna go to brazil to flamengo i saw i saw that today i don't know what to make of that it looked a little bit crazy to me like like uh, a blessing to vasco da gama crazy but i i you know i don't see us moving brian anywhere right now because if we move him out of that young dp slot we either have to replace him with a young dp or we have to get rid of our u22 initiative which i just have to believe that our club is going to be using that we now have two open slots. We only have Palacios left in the U22. And so I, I, if I have my gut feeling is that we're aggressively shopping for, you know, a really good U22 candidate, maybe two to come in here. You know, um, I don't know what position. It seems like we're a little bit short at midfield now with Janela going. I, I feel like we're one injury away from you know, close to a time. Now, now that he's gone, I mean, we're almost <laughs> back to Chris Estomo is, is death. Yeah. You know? No, we're not. No, we're not going there. So, so uh, wrap this one up, man. <laughs> uh, to be, uh, listen, if there's a suitor for Brian Rodriguez, we should take it because the, that story is almost getting, getting overplayed. Exactly. And, yeah, and, and is, repetitive. But I don't know if there is one. And now if the, he starts showing – um, troubles with injury, right? That it compounds 
the value problem that we have with Brian Rodriguez. He mm. just doesn't justify the value that is put on his, you know, price tag. So I personally feel that there's not going to be a suitor out there other than maybe a Flamengo or something that, you know, can scrap uh, maybe another loan deal together, right? So a loan to purchase deal to a secondary league, but his big dreams of returning to Europe in any sort of way, shape, or form, I don't think this is going to happen anytime soon. He's not there, and now he's injured. So, yeah. and, and that's the other thing. Like, what, what's happening? Did, did Was he rehabbed too fast and brought back and re-injured himself? Because he basically missed every single important game the last month. And by the way, this is the problem. We didn't need him for anything. And there, here's coming... Here comes incoming talent. So you start asking the question, okay, we're paying this amazing player that we've been trying to work with for so long and we can't do anything with it. So maybe a bridge to a bigger team through uh, some time with Flamengo. Vidal is there now. It's a culture of a, a team that has a lot of history. Maybe it's a place that he can grow. You know, Rio de Janeiro is another type of city. And from there, he can just be the best Brian Rodriguez that he can be. But if he wants to play for LAFC... I think we should keep him because he's an excellent talent, right? And we don't seem to care about DPs anyway. So, you know, when he decides to play and he's healthy, guess what? He's pretty damn good. So, yeah. you know, and broke don't fix it in my opinion. I've enjoyed he's a broke, lot of though. What, yeah, I've enjoyed a lot of what he did this year uh, when he was on the yeah. pitch. I love the energy that he has this year. I feel like he is someone who has brought the most energy out of this group uh, when he was on the pitch. Um uh, but, you know, with him being injured, it, it does call a little bit of a concern. And uh, I hope his agent cools out on all the other stuff because we just want his head focused, get you better, get out on there and see what happens, bro. Uh, listen, we you solve the Arango of- problem, right? And that's what I would say. Yeah. You solve the Arango problem because if you naturally move him into a second DP spot and you bring a very young guy to compose, you know, that third and then suddenly your, your money and then you have your second DP. I mean, I just tweeted out, man, Tati and him over the last two years, the same person. The only difference is Tati's two years younger than him and in soccer that means a lot he's 23 and he's just 25 but once again if you have a a, a, an offer for this guy at 25 at his prime with a year left in his in in his career LAFC may not have a choice they might have to let him go well I I think he's playing too well the problem is Gareth Bale you know if Gareth Bale is going to stay longer than 12 months at the club he's going to need the DP slot which means then we don't have one that's right that's right. Hey, that's another player. Hey, look, player, man, right? it's all good problems for LAFC to have. Yeah, like uh, reach we people are not problems. complaining yeah. about none of it. This is all nope. just nitpicking, just to have something to talk about, you know. But Remember listen, uh, we we, have, we appreciate everybody that joined here. I know we went over our time. Huge shout out to Alexi Lawless for showing yeah. up. Gaston, what a guy! What a guy! So was amazing, here and giving man. us some stuff on Uruguay players and just being here in general and talk, talking LAFC with us. Celso and Eric, thank you guys for being here with me and everyone who came on and joined and, and uh, over here in the chat adds to it. We appreciate it. people who watch. Make sure you go to voicesofthebikeandgold.com. Go to our Instagram. Celso has been putting up some really good uh, reels on there. Fun. They when they go to the. Um, to the games and uh, the tailgates and all that. Thank you all again for joining, man. This has been a great show. I've enjoyed it a lot. And I uh, hope you all have a rest, uh, a blessed rest of your day. And LA is black and gold. <laughs>